Welcome to Family Yields Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we delve into topics of family life through the lens of permaculture. In this podcast, we explore ways to create sustainable, authentic, and joy-filled family systems. I want to talk today about how schools are purveying capitalist mentality and take a look at why I feel that way. And also some of the things that I do as a homeschool educator to offset um, and to undermine that capitalism, uh, because I do not feel that capitalism is a sustainable system, obviously. Um, And I want my children, I want something better for my children. I think a lot of us want to believe that education is still educating our children um, and that it is something to be believed in. But what I am finding now as an adult is that I am having to learn so much. And what I am having to learn are not the things that could ever be taught in a school. They're the things that were actually taken away because I was part of the school system for so very long. I learned a lot in school. It wasn't that I didn't pay attention. I was, uh, you know, a perfectionist student, so I was achieving above and beyond. But do I remember what I learned in grade seven science? Not really. I probably have some inkling of what that context was or what I learned in general. But at the end of the day, whatever I learned in that grade seven science class, I can look it up on the internet now, right? Like it's a different world than when I was in school Oh gosh, that would be almost 40 years ago now. But the point here is that we have certain skills that we need in order to be successful. And I think that the point of education is really to give our children skills. We want to develop a skill base so that they can apply those skills to whatever context might come come upon them. Um, So it's less for me about teaching content, um, but that's how education comes across, especially to students. And I know this because I taught in a classroom for 16 years and they wanted to know what they needed to know. Okay, what do I have to know for the test? How many sentences does this paragraph have to be? How long does my story have to be? How much do I have to put on this paper? They just cared about the content. And I was always pushing my students to change that up and to really, really look at the ideas, right? Like, what are the ideas behind that? Not so much, what is it that you're laying out on the paper? So, I think fundamentally right there, I'm hitting on something really important, which is that traditional education really um, pushes for content-driven learning. And the reason for that is because content can be replicated. That means that when I teach a student something, they can replicate that content back to me to demonstrate that they've understood that learning. Where that falls on its face, though, is that we are training our children to be hoop jumpers in a sense, right? It's like, okay, well, where's the hoop that you want me to jump through? What do you want me to produce for you so that I can prove to you that I'm worthy enough so that I can show you that I get this? And to be honest, for most kids, that's not really what it's about. It's not really about proving that they get it because I can't tell you the number of conversations I had with students uh, around that very issue of, you know, you have to show your work in math so that I can see your understanding of this concept. Well, if they understand it, they don't want to show their math because they already know how to do it. So it's like breaking it down into this these tedious steps, um, these hoops, if you will, that students have to continually jump through in order to advance, in order to prove their worthiness. And 
Upon reflection now as an adult, looking back on public education and also having been a teacher for 16 years and an active participant in school environments, I know that the things that I am working on now as an adult are the product of educational systems and other systems as well, right? Like we live in a culture that is kind of rife with a number of dysfunctional systems. Um, But the education system is where we're putting a lot of our effort uh, in our youth. And what I know now is my work is figuring out who I am as a person. What is it that I'm meant to do in this world? What What gives me joy? What do I want to do with my life? right? I don't know sometimes and it feels very uncomfortable to not know. And I think through years and years of conditioning through education, uh, where I was always producing things for my teachers or others, you kind of lose sight of who you are and what it is that's important to you because you're very much focused on producing goods for someone else and not on your terms, right? Like it's not me saying, oh, well, I want to do a really good job on this project um, and I want to give it my all and I do it in my own way. It's, oh, no, the teacher wants me to produce, you know, these five criteria. And actually in the schools right now, um, at least in Ontario, where I was teaching up until last year, um, there's something called success criteria. So you're supposed to give your students the success criteria so that they can succeed on the assignment. Well, you know, it just, it really bothers me because it's like, okay, well, we're teaching to the test, if you will. The test is not, you know, a paper and pencil test where you have to fill it out. But the test is, can you meet these success criteria? Can you meet these criteria that I, as the teacher, decided are important? It has nothing to do with whether or not the child thinks they're important. It has to do with whether or not they can prove their worth. And so in the process of doing that over and over and over again for, well, I don't know, I guess there's 15 years, 14 years of education in Ontario now because they've done away with grade 13, although many kids do take what they call a victory lap and do grade 13. But that's a whole lot of education, right? That's a whole lot of hoop jumping or figuring out the game. Um, And for some of the students that I taught, I would actually have this conversation with them. I'd say, you know what? This is just a game. It's a game of, you know, the teacher's asking you for X, Y, and Z. Can you produce what they're asking for? If you hit those marks, then you're going to get the prize, right? You're going to get the the jackpot. Um, so I would explain it to them this way. And sometimes I would see a light bulb go on for them like, wow, nobody ever explained it to me that way before. And the reason why is because we uh, live under this guise that education is happening in school buildings by experts, right? And that's not, well, that's one definition of education, right? Because we have systematic education, which happens, you know, first you learn this, then you learn this and you progress through it. But there's also the forms of education, which enlighten us, right? Where we're um, given new information and all of a sudden we have um, access to connections or understandings that we didn't have before. That is also education. And in my opinion, education happens in a way that is much more Um, asynchronous, not linear. Uh, And yet in our schooling environments, we're providing very linear, very systematic approaches to learning. And when we expect kids to jump through successive hoops, they are missing the point of what it is they're trying to learn because they're more worried about getting through the hoop, 
or hitting those success criteria than they are about actually digesting or understanding the information or connecting it to something else that matters to them in their life. Underlying all of this, my point is that childhood is short. It really is. And I mean, as much as the days can feel very long when you're in the trenches with your children, their time at home with you is very short, which means their time where you are able to influence them and their understandings is not very long in in terms of their lifespan, right? So the journey here is not about the destination. And that is exactly what happens in in schools, despite teachers' best efforts. And I know this because I was a teacher and I would try to switch it up. I would try to not have it about the outcome, but it is embedded in the system. It is embedded in the very way that kids need to perform in that environment to the extent that they cannot escape it and teachers cannot escape it. Because you still need to be be able to evaluate students. You need to be able to say whether or not they're meeting curriculum. Um, So in traditional educational environments, it is about the outcome. And because of that, uh, the journey becomes more about the outcome than it does the journey itself. And so what we're seeing now is trends in education are going towards growth mindset and encouraging kids to notice like, okay, well, I can't do that. And then we tack the word yet on the end, right? Like I can't do that yet, which is all well and good until they get the report card and it tells them that they're not good enough. So underlying all of our educational systems is really um, a foundation of capitalism right? We're measuring ourselves against whether or not we can produce this product uh, with quality assurance, right? And that is why education was created. It was created to create uh, a system or a number of people in the society that would be most willing to go and do jobs to create products for a capitalist system and to support a capitalist system. So embedded in the function of education as we know it right now, we have capitalism and it's inescapable. So what happens there is that all of a sudden our childhood, as we're sending our children to school, is no longer about that journey. It's no longer about just being a kid and understanding who you are. Because what's interesting to me is um, I've been reading a lot of books lately about um, business and how to know what your niche is, how to know what you're really good at, how to know what your life's purpose is, those types of books. And in a lot of them, I've seen a common trend, which is think back to your childhood. What did you like to do? What did you used to get really involved in? Um, And that is so sad to me that we have to now as adults return to this place of, well, what is it that I used to love again? Because it's been beaten out of us for so many years as we kind of show up in ways um, to please the system. So the whole point of education to me is that you want to be able to learn things that support who you are, that allow you to show up better as yourself into the world. And for me, with my children, I want them to retain what I as an adult now have to reclaim. So those books that are telling me to think back to my childhood, I don't want my kids to have to do that. I don't want it to be like a recollection exercise. I want them to live it out from now on. Like, why do we need to package that up and tuck it away in the closet until, you know, you're into your adult years and then all of a sudden you're thinking about, well, what is it that I want to do with my life? 
that should be an unfolding process, not something where we tuck it away because we need to deal with somebody else's expectations of ourself, because we need to meet a number of different um, outcomes that have been set out for us. That shouldn't be the point of education. The point of education should be to inch us forward toward enlightenment, to inch us forward towards becoming, to inch us forward towards understanding ourselves enough to step into our own abilities and to look for ways that we can apply those abilities in the world and to show up and to be helpers and to be contributors because that's actually what community is all about. So by putting our educational system in this box uh, where our kids are following a set curriculum and everybody gets the same plate of food, right? Like here is your, um, here's your dinner. Everybody gets the same thing. You know, take what you want, leave the rest on the plate. Well, some kids aren't taking a whole lot because it just doesn't appeal to them. Um, whereas if we can allow ourselves to make our own dinner, then all of a sudden we have a lot more opportunity to enjoy the food that we're eating, right? And partake in life. So, Things that I've had to reclaim or I'm still working on reclaiming as an adult um, that I feel like I lost to a certain degree because I was more worried about what other people thought than what my own personal inclinations were include the following, right? I want to understand what joy feels like. I have had to refine things in my life that bring me joy. Because I was so used to putting out all the time for other people, I subverted that feeling in myself. Oh, well, it doesn't really matter what I think about it as long as I'm pleasing somebody else. And that role of being the pleaser takes you further away from who you actually are and what your purpose in this world is. The second thing is passion. What did I really love doing? I've had to feel my way through that. You know, I was, I was blessed to go to university. Um, And I went for a topic that I thought I loved, you know, I went to study art. And upon reflection, I don't know that I would want to go back to university for art, because it really did take a lot of the joy out of it. We had to sit through critiques, I had to sit and allow my professors and my tutorial assistants to sit there and talk about my artwork, as though it was a commodity, as though it was something that, you know, they had the right to, to like or dislike in a public forum. Yes, artwork is liked and disliked in a public forum, but that is not actually education, right? Like that was not actually teaching me how to be a better artist. So it would be like, you know, making yourself vulnerable and and doing art and then putting it up for all to see and then just waiting for the, the feedback, you know, and that is not actually learning. In my opinion, that's that's more just learning how to be a vulnerable person. And I also learned really, really well how to write um, pleasing reflections, um, how to write about my artwork so that it seemed like, you know, like a whole lot of thought and effort went into it behind the scenes. A lot of that was made up after the fact. You know why? Because I was trying to jump through the hoop. I knew that they wanted me to have this backstory to my art piece. So instead of learning how to create a backstory to my art piece, because nobody actually taught me that part, I learned how to create a really wonderful reflection after the fact. Um, So passion is really, really important. And thinking about how we can keep our passions alive instead of deadening them by creating hoop jumping activities related to our passions. I've also heard the tip, you know, like don't choose something for your career that you actually love as your hobby. And the reason why is because it takes the passion out of it. Well, that shouldn't be how it is at all, right? And uh, I think that 
therein lies the problem is let's look for how we can keep that passion alive. Something else that's huge for me is I'm having to learn how to trust myself again, how to trust my instincts, how to trust my intuition, how to trust that I'm good enough. I've had so many messages over the years that, you know, this isn't good enough, that isn't good enough. And what's funny is the human brain always catches on to what's not good enough, right? Um, There could be 7 million examples of how I did show up in ways that were good enough, but those three examples that really burned, those three examples that really sent me into shame, those are the ones that my heart and my mind cling on to so that I have to work really hard now to trust myself and to trust that I, I also have a growth mindset. I also can learn forward and fail forward so that I can have failures and that those are going to influence and impact what I do next. In the school system, if you fail a test, maybe you'll get a rewrite, but you just don't do well on that unit. And that's it, right? Like you kind of, you just move on. Um, And sometimes, you know, if you're lucky and you're not doing well in a unit, you'll get extra help from your teacher. But sometimes it's just like, oh, well, you know, you got you got a 60%, 65% in that unit, move on, uh, because there isn't time, you've got to get through all the curriculum. Uh, the other thing that I have had to reclaim as an adult is my sense of worthiness. Am I good enough, right? Still related to that, am I good enough? And that fundamental question, am I good enough, is actually rooted in capitalism. Um, and this may be a little bit of a stretch, um, to be making this connection. But when we are thinking about capitalism, we're thinking about how um, you are putting out uh, yourself into the world and you need to figure out if what you're putting out into the world is to be well-received or not. And a lot of the ways that we show up as good enough in our current culture is, do you look nice? Have you got the right clothes on? You know, are you um, taking wonderful pictures? Do you have the latest technology? Um, Do you have a good paying job? All of these things are rooted in capitalism. They're all related to money Um, and in very unhealthy ways and in very subverted ways, like ways that we don't even recognize day to day uh, as part of of our capitalist culture uh, because it's so deeply embedded, just like in our educational systems, Sometimes we can't even see where those things are showing up for us. So my hope for my children, because we have kept them out of school, is that they will have an understanding of who they are as people, both in the sense of what they feel they are really good at. Um, because I think that's another thing that I, I really struggle with, with, with education as it currently is, is what I said before about how we notice what's not fitting. We notice what we're not good at. And so a child who is really exceptional at mathematics, but really struggles in the department of language, they are not often permitted to work ahead in math. They're kept back at their current grade level. For the most part, there are some progressive schools that do allow you to move forward. But for the most part, you are kept at your grade level. Um, And at the same time, maybe they're behind in language. So instead of allowing that child to excel in their math and work at the level that they're ready for, and then the place where they are not up to quote unquote grade level, um, they just get low grades. 
They're never actually helped or remediated or get to repeat work. Um, instead, they're just kind of surged forward um, so that that lagging skill becomes greater and deeper and maybe more of a detriment as they go on. Not only that, but then they're holding emotional baggage about that because it's like, well, I'm not very good at, you know, writing stories or essays or whatever. Um, And it becomes something that they cannot um, maybe recover from. And sometimes people do, right? But for most of us who come through the school system, we kind of flag ourselves as good at this, not good at that. Instead of allowing ourselves to have that growth mindset, because as you move forward in the grades, it's like, well, you're moving forward and too bad, so sad, you didn't get a good grade on it. Um, Whereas if we are able to meet the child where they're at, then all of a sudden we have the opportunity to expand their learning and contract their learning to meet where they are actually learning at, rather than a standardized, um, a standardized curriculum where the child is the problem, right? This child does not fit into this curriculum. This is where you are good and this is where you are not good. Um, And so when we measure against a standard, then all of a sudden we lose the nuance, we lose the individualization, we lose um, any sense of um, connection, I guess, between the learning and the child, right? Um, Because, and I know this too, you know, from teaching kids, it's like they'll learn stuff for the test, but they really don't get it. They really don't have an idea. And I mean, I did that too. As I went into high school math, I did all the OAC math classes. Um, and I couldn't tell you what I learned in algebra geometry. I, I remember a little bit of finite mathematics. You know, it was kind of fun to do math around playing cards and whatnot. But it's just, you know, it comes to the point where you wonder to what end, right? Like, what is the point of jumping through all these hoops? And I guess my critique at the end of the day is, I think the point is just to teach kids how to jump through the hoops. And because that was the reason why education was um, created as it was, we now have a situation where we're trying to remove those hoops or um, allow kids to exist kind of without the hoops, but the system itself won't allow that. So here we are at a place and a time where we need to creatively respond to this because we are having despondence in students. Like they really don't care. They don't want to jump through the hoops anymore. They're not interested in doing what's being offered and compound that with the fact that school just doesn't keep up with life outside of school, right? Like these are um, interesting times where kids have access to all kinds of information 24 seven and digital media is really alluring. So how can school that's requiring you to complete X, Y, and Z really help you and support you in terms of learning who you are, Um, especially when outside of school, you know, there's all these distractions as well. So instead of using uh, the yield of these beautiful technological systems, we're actually using them more like Band-Aids right? Or things that are propping up a system that's not working, right? Like the kids get home and they're totally spent. It's just like, oh, well, just watch a movie or, you know, play your video games or whatever. Instead of looking at the abundance of information and being able to use that information um, in ways that really value diversity, in ways that allow our students to show up and our children to show up in their diverse ways, to show up as their individual selves, 
to optimize their edges, right? Um, because they are learning all at different paces and all at different rates and different things matter to different kids. So instead of allowing that, instead we are saying, oh, well, you know, we're going to put you in this standardized program and you're going to have to just figure it out instead of allowing them to catch and store their energy. That's really, really what this podcast is about, is about catching and storing energy because that energy that the child has when they're very little, that passion and joy and worthiness and knowing themselves to be okay and good enough and trusting themselves, that is what I want my child and my children to carry throughout their life. I want them to catch and store that energy that they have as a child and bring that with them through their whole entire life. So what is being called for here is some serious educational overhauling, um, which I don't know if it can happen. Uh, Like I was saying earlier in the podcast, the system has been built to maintain itself as a hoop jumping system, as an outcome based system, instead of being an emergent system. So what does an emergent system for education look like? And I'm dreaming into that with my own kids. We are looking at, well, how do we step into who we are? How do we maintain that? And I am seeing it in my children uh, through homeschooling. But what does that look like on a larger scale? That's really um, the questions that I've been asking because I can see that the educational system as it's currently happening is not serving. Uh, It is not a sustainable system and it is certainly not allowing um, our children to live into that catching and storing of their energy Um, because it's it's more similar to um, a system where we're, we're doing um, a monocrop, right? Like we're applying a standardized curriculum across the board for all students, give or take. I mean, there is differentiation happening in some classrooms um, as well. There's remediation, uh, which again, is like spraying the pesticide on the field. It's like, well, you know, there's some weeds cropping up there. We better get rid of those. You know, this child is not living up to what they should be doing. So, you know, get them up to snuff. So again, we're looking at the child as the problem rather than the system as the problem. So moving forward, I really want to feel into and think about what does a regenerative educational system look like and how can we show up to be able to educate our children in dynamic and emergent ways. Thank you for joining me today. I'm your host, Julie Walter, and this is the Family Yields Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please support me by heading over to patreon.com slash familyyields. I also have a number of products available on my website, familyyields.com, including a homeschooling empowerment course designed to help you gain the confidence you need to homeschool your child in a way that fits your family values and what you would like from your child's education. Also on my website, I have the Homeschoolers Motivation Toolkit, which includes five tools to help motivate your child, which are not outcomes-based reward systems, but more getting to the heart of how to engage your child in meaningful education.